It was a motherfucking travesty. What's up, everyone? And this is Ben again on Superhouse, and I'm joined by... Andrew, everybody, what's going on? I'm ready to rock this shit like in nobody's business. And... <laughs> this is Woofy, a.k.a. Stefan, a.k.a. Mr. McGillicuddy. <laughs> McGillicuddy. Coming at you. First I heard that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about an R-rated origin movie in the Batman universe inspired by 1970s flicks like Taxi Driver and potentially starring Joaquin Phoenix at one point. We're not talking about Joker, we're talking about the Darren Aronofsky Batman Year One project that never got made. Joaquin Phoenix is in this shit as well? Mr. <laughs> Phoenix, yes. Oh, wow. So, wow, okay. uh, we, this is kind of a sequel to our Batman 5 episode and a prequel to our eventual deep dive into Batman Begins. Because around the late 90s or so, they said, hey, let's try to resurrect this franchise or do, you know, this thing's on its last legs because of Batman and Robin. People hate this shit. Let's try to (laughs) make this dark again. So they had those two attempts that I talked about. Man Bat. Yeah, with Man Bat, with Batman (laughs) Dark Knight, and before that, Batman Unchained. And then those didn't work, according to WB. So for some reason in the zeitgeist, everybody says, why don't we go back to the beginning? Because there's this comic uh, written in 1987 called Batman Year One. And the first director who professed love for this comic was Joel Schumacher. What? He said, quote, really? long ago when this whole thing started, Batman Year One, the Frank Miller comic, was always my favorite. And I was always hoping that I would do that one. There was no desire to do that the first time around. And there was definitely no desire to do that the second time around. Uh, so I remember growing up when I was looking at all the internet rumors for Batman Five. And wondering, when am I going to see this sequel with Clooney fighting Scarecrow? I started getting news about, well, guess what? We're not actually going to do that. Schumacher wants to restart everything with year one. I'm like, what? This is fucking bullshit. I wanted to see a sequel. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> stuff. Wow. Damn, I want both of them. Yeah. <laughs> the studio was not excited about having Schumacher back on, I take it. Well, yeah, not after that, which is, you know, as we've talked about, it feels unfair. But that's yeah. what it was. But Jolie they did shook. like the idea of let's do year one. So, I like the idea of Schumacher, but I don't really want you again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, this is bullshit. This is what I wanted the whole time. And then I gave you what you wanted, and now you're putting me off. <laughs> oh, my God. You got a little <laughs> tank. Disco. So, also at the time... I like you, but you know what? <laughs> uh, it's not, not me, it's you. It's not, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, it is you, actually. <laughs> it's not me, it is you, yes. It definitely is you, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So, Warner Brothers just booted him off of this, but they wanted to keep the idea of year one, and when I was growing up and thinking, okay, they're going to do year one, I thought, okay, I guess this is a prequel to 1989. Whoa. No can do. That's not actually what they were thinking of doing. This is when they started thinking of a reboot before the term reboot even yeah. existed in Hollywood yet. I'm probably jumping the gun here, um, but this is probably a script that Nolan read in Maybe. his I preparation don't know. for his scripts, or Goyer read for his preparation but, for Batman Begins. Potentially. I mean, there's there's the connections between the two scripts are from the comic that they're based on, which is Batman Year One. But there's very yeah, right, little. Right, right. If anything, Batman Begins has more in common with the 1982 Tom Mankiewicz Batman script okay. than it does with what Aronofsky even tried to do. Okay, let's get into it. So, uh, as I brought up, Darren Aronofsky was the one who was behind this. If you guys aren't familiar with him, he (laughs) he was asked by Warner Brothers about this right after he did Pi. 
He yeah. hadn't done Requiem Damn, for a Dream really? yet. Yeah, right he hadn't done Requiem for Really? Yeah, he hadn't done Requiem for a Dream yet. the fuck out of Senpai, huh? Yeah. Neo-noir. So when we, when Not when really. Wolfie and I were starting in college, there was a few films floating around film school in Savannah, Georgia. We went to SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. And one of the films was Pi. One of them was Donnie Darko. One of them was Amelie. Jesus. Like everybody was watching, yeah. all these fucking that's arty so kids watching this bullshit. School. That's so like, true. That's, that's film school junk food right that's there. That's film school junk food, basically. <laughs> and yeah, I remember liking Pi a everybody lot. Everybody loved Amelie. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah, I saw that in the dorm room so many times. I liked it Amelie. the first time. I was like, that's a cute movie. But people are like, have you seen Amelie? It's the most amazing. Anyway. It's not bad. It's, great. it's a decent Pie, romantic for comedy. sure. Donnie Darko it for is. sure. I know yeah. the fuck out of the date though when I saw it for the first time with her, and I was just <laughs> going, "I'm like, where's this going? Where's this going with this?" And she's like, "Just shut the fuck up and watch the movie." It's one of <laughs> read some subtitles, Ben. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> you read comic books, don't you? <laughs> uh, like, can we watch the comic book? He's movie? French too. Girly shit. <laughs> So Aronofsky is that gets Gene asked. Reno? <laughs> Gene Reno in a goddamn professional in this thing. Sorry, go he ahead. wasn't, unfortunately. Yeah, he should have been. I would have paid more attention to that. <laughs> Love anyway, Aronofsky gets asked by Warner Brothers, what would you do with Batman? And he said, quote, I told them I'd cast Clint Eastwood as the Dark Knight. I think he means 1970s Clint Eastwood. I don't think he means like Clint Eastwood right, in 1999. Right. Uh, Empty chair talking yeah. uh, Clint Eastwood, yes. <laughs> and shoot it in Tokyo, doubling for Gotham City. He says, only half joking, but that got their attention. Whoa. That would actually work great for Batman Beyond. Right. So whether inspired or undeterred, it says, I'm quoting from a book called Tales of from Development Hell by somebody named David Hughes who talked a lot to Aronofsky. Huh. And uh, Aronofsky said, quote, the Batman franchise had gone more and more back towards the TV show, so it became tongue-in-cheek, a grand farce, camp. I pitched the complete opposite, which was totally bring it back to the streets raw, trying to set it in a kind of real reality. No stages, no sets, shooting it all in inner cities across America, creating a very real feeling. My pitch mm-hmm. was Death Wish, or The French Connection, meets Batman. In year one, Gordon was kind of like Serpico, and Batman was kind of like Travis Bickle. I remember that quote. Yeah. They have wanted this Batman, Scorsese. Taxi driver type thing. Fucking yeah. connection <laughs> for true, years, yeah. dude. Well, the thing is, if you look at the comic, I think Miller was inspired somewhat by a little bit of taxi driver in the fact that for sure, there's a little for bit sure. of narration in that there's the whole mm-hmm. like Bruce walking the streets of Gotham in a green jacket being all just like the streets are dirty and, and all that type of stuff and I gotta clean it up it, it is one of the best in, like visual interpretations of the dinginess the fucking shit filled city of New York in yeah, 75 exactly. like the worst of New York mm-hmm. ever like and and you want to transition that into Gotham like remember in, in Titans much more recent but mm-hmm. fucking um, they say oh Dick is from Gotham, and the other guy goes, "Woof." You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Like yeah. Gotham is a shit it's gotta show. Be a show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Woof. So, uh, <laughs> and as previously mentioned at the time, having just done Gladiator and at 27 years old, Joaquin Phoenix was Aronofsky's main choice for the role. That would have been cool for Batman. For Batman, yeah. he said, oh, "Quote: yeah. I always wanted Joaquin Phoenix for Batman. It's funny. I think we're sort of out of time with our idea." I understand that with comics, that there's room for all different types of titles, but I think Hollywood at that time was still kind of in the golden age of comics, and they were still doing the classic titles in classic ways. Okay, so yeah. So this was kind of a DC Black version of Batman's origin before that was even on the table. And 
considering at the time we had just gotten Batman and Robin, the idea of a reboot was revolutionary in itself. The idea mm-hmm. of rebooting this in such a gritty R-rated way was just way off the map. So this we're we're looking at like this is like 1999. This is 99 before Batman Begins, before Joker, yeah. before before anybody, X-Men 1 comes out. Yeah, before yeah. any sort of gritty reboot. Aronofsky okay. was well ahead of the time, his time, but he was like 20 years early. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he ended up uh, teaming up with the man himself, Frank Miller, to write the script. Okay. They oh, had yeah. previously yeah. Uh, had a working relationship. He, Aronofsky wanted to adapt Ronin, which is another uh, Miller comic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they teamed up together, and Miller is quoted as having said that, you know, I thought I was dark. <laughs> <laughs> so Aronofsky had a unique twist on the Batman origin because he didn't go to... There's a lot of stuff from the comic that's in the script, but he made a major change to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is that in this version, after Bruce Wayne's parents are killed, uh, Bruce is found by a man named Big Al. Big Al. <laughs> Instead of Alfred, yeah. it's Big Al. Uh, <laughs> actually, not not technically, it's not Big Al as the replacement, but you'll see. Uh, Big Al takes him to shelter in a car repair shop and raises him. Okay. So Bruce Wayne is raised on the streets, and then later on, Big Al dies, and his son, Little Al, <laughs> looks out for Bruce. <laughs> But the idea is Bruce Wayne grows up on the streets of Gotham, cut off from the riches. He's cut off from being one of the upper class. He's cut off from Wayne Manor, Wayne Industries, and everything. This is a Bruce Wayne who is almost the version you would come up with to try to argue against the whole stupid argument that I brought up in the previous episode of just like, Batman's just a rich guy who beats up poor people. Well, in this one, (laughs) Batman's a poor person who beats up other poor people. So he he obviously (laughs) knew he was from money. But he maybe he was told he as a kid. He's told as a kid when your parents died, you don't have any any money. Anymore. Well, he has refused to come forward. That's what oh. we end up seeing. We see news reports about Wayne Corporation is trying to find the missing heir. They have a fifteen year deadline oh. or whatever. Oh, and yeah. Bruce refuses to go back to that because he that that's not the life he wants right oh, now. Okay, he wants to lay low. He wants to find some outlet for himself in this. So this version of Bruce Wayne. Is actually kind of similar to what I pitched for in the Joker when I pitched for my idea of Joker 2. I was like, I want the most fucked up Bruce Wayne, PTSD and everything like that. Mm-hmm. This is actually that version. <laughs> so he's like, he has nightmares all the time. He's flinching in his sleep. He's screaming in his sleep. When he wakes up, he writes letters to his dead father about what he should wow, do. Wow, that's cool. He, I actually like that a lot. That's yeah. good. And then he throws, yeah. he has this whole suitcase full of the letters that he throws in and everything like that. And he actually lives... Because he, he lives in the repair shop, his little apartment is across the street from the very theater where his parents were shot. Whoa. Oh, shit. Except that theater has been closed and has been turned into a brothel. Okay. So he's right in the heart of the East End. And he he's just angry because of the trauma that he's been through. And he sees this, you know, the scum on the earth come across the street every single day to the uh, to the prostitutes across the street yeah. and he's kind of friends with them and the ones he's most friends with and if it's like anything like a taxi driver kind of scenario you probably have like yeah. really young girls and stuff yeah exactly just like tearing him up inside like Travis somewhat yeah it's someone's gonna clean up these streets yeah oh. the rain <laughs> just washes them all over yeah. <laughs> so I, w- I did put on uh, Bernard Herman's Taxi Driver soundtrack when I was rereading the script because <laughs> I'm just oh, like shit, that's awesome like this that's is kind awesome. of this awesome. is the right tone to go for oh man and, you know, little Al's checking in on shit. him and just being like, are you taking your pills? So, again, this is like the most, like, mental health PTSD version of Bruce Wayne ever. I had never seen Taxi Driver before, uh, like, last week. And I watched <laughs> it in pre- preparation for Joker, yeah. that and King of Comedy. Yeah. And I got to say, 
Newsflash, they're good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Quite good. You guys are watching Donnie Darko and Amelie, but not some Taxi Driver. I know, I totally missed that, man, for some fucking reason. Dude, I watched Taxi Driver once a year for like 10 years. Really? Yeah. It was just always around winter. It just was my favorite movie. God, you... That's what I said. It was like, "What's your favorite movie?" Taxi Driver. Jesus, best okay. movie ever. It's my made. brother's favorite movie. You know, that's changed a lot since. Right. Yeah. I, but, yeah. So, uh, like Taxi Driver, there's a pimp character in this named Chi Chi, who's kind of he's basically like Harvey Keitel in Taxi Driver. <laughs> and instead, uh, <laughs> oh instead of, instead of get out of here, fucking cop. You know an Iris. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, and okay, we don't have Jodie Foster as you know. There's no underage girl, unless I mean it was implied that Holly, uh, Selena's friend in the comic, was mm-hmm. underage. But uh, the only person who kind of has a friendship with Bruce is an African American dominatrix named Selena Kyle. No nice. oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. So that's where Selena's brought in. So we establish all this type of stuff, and then we meet the next most important character in this, the sort of secondary protagonist of this. And that's James Gordon. Okay. Cool. And he's got a gun in his mouth. Yeah. Okay. Because he's trying to commit suicide. <laughs> oh, 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 no. <laughs> uh, and he's that's not, not Jimmy. good. <laughs> Don't <laughs> he's, do it. He's, <laughs> Don't do it, Jimmy. He's about to pull the trigger until his wife calls You're him back gonna to You're going to be bed. the commish. Yeah. There's so much more shit you have to go through. So, again, keep it in mind that this is a version of Gordon... At a time where our main exposure to Commissioner Gordon was the guy who's in like two scenes of each movie, sort of like let's turn on the signal. <laughs> he gave us the signal. Yeah, this is the most. This is revolutionary in that's, the mind of a, an exec if, of an exec what, who hasn't read comics. Is human right here? Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is this? They probably oh don't God. even unless it, they probably didn't know. It was like his first name is Jim. What the fuck is yeah, he doing? Yeah, exactly. So, Not your parents, Batman. <laughs> Where's Aunt Harriet? So, as you can see right off the bat, we're in just, this is automatically R-rated territory. <laughs> he goes to GCPD, and he's an outcast there. Nobody talks to him. Nobody really likes him. Detective Flass, uh, the corrupt cop from the comic, and Batman Year One is a character in this, of course. Mm-hmm. He's with Gordon at the bathroom urinal, and as they're both pissing, he's just like, you're making other cops nervous, Jimmy, about the right. fact you're not, t- you're not on the take. Uh, and he just forces Gordon to take a yellow envelope full of money. Okay. And Gordon's response is to pin it on the bulletin board in the bullpen. So oh, he refuses. And that pisses off Flash, but Flash doesn't have time because he and his partner got to go visit Chi Chi. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a bit of a crossover here. He can't get it out. <laughs> that was in the comic, though, right? Like, more or less the, uh, not bulletin, that the bulletin thing? No, 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 no actually. That's, yeah. per- that's awesome. That, like that. This is unique to the script. So oh, fucking Chi Chi, bro. Yeah, but Mark I mean, Frank Miller brings there, there's a lot of differences in canon to this, but I actually, just before we get in for any further, I fucking love the script. I forgot how much I love the script until I re- reread this and was like, oh my God. I Even all the this. crazy changes. Yeah. Even with all the crazy changes. I don't know. Maybe it's just because after seeing so much of the stuff I wanted to see come to life, I'm more accepting now of more changes. I don't know. Yeah. So far, it sounds like a good Jakey G. Gyllenhaal, a yeah. uh, good uh, Batman Ooh, script. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. he yeah. would have been way too young at the time. But at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Donnie Darko, right like October Sky. Everyone would have been like, Sky, Bat Boy Year One. <laughs> yes. He was playing high school kids during this time. Uh, so Flash and he is a, is partners with a character not from the comics named Campbell. Uh, and these corrupt cops go visit Chi Chi because they want to collect their payment, and Chi Chi doesn't have enough money for them. So okay. Campbell wants to uh, take Selena as payment. <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> and Selena says, fuck you, no. And Flash says, quote, this, I bad. love this line. Flash says, classic. One can't get his horse to screw, and the other can't get screwed by a whore. 
Wow. <laughs> so that's the type of language that Flash says. Aronofsky nice. wrote this. With Frank, Frank Miller, Miller, yeah. With Frank Miller, With Frank yeah. Miller, I yeah. got you, yeah. All right, Sorry, so you just nice. said that. Cops leave. <laughs> it's real seedy. Yeah, so, <laughs> so far. Chi-Chi's yelling at Selena. He's like, you're making me look bad. I, I, I'm just picturing 70s Harvey Keitel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're making me look bad and everything. And then Bruce is on the street and he's witnessing all this. And you can see in his eyes, he wants to tear this pimp apart. Okay. And Selena gives him this look and he's like, hey, like, don't, don't do it. You're going to get me in trouble. So Bruce goes home and he basically lets it out on his apartment. And little Al sees this and like, hey, like, let's let's talk for a bit. And he brings him into his office and says, hey, like, you're going through some shit. And I thought maybe it's time to give you this. It's you. You said that this was your inheritance and you wouldn't let go of it when I first brought you in. But I think it's time that you have it now. And he gives him a wooden box and he's like, you'll open it when you're ready. So we don't know what's in this, but it's sort of set up that. That there's something in here that ties back to Bruce's past. It's his soul. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna open it up, and there's like this this shiny stuff. That comes it's, just, it's just a fifty dollar bill. Like that's the most money Al's ever seen. It's possibly his wife's head. Yeah. Yeah. So or whatever the fuck it was from seven. <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? Uh, David. The nineties were very dark, children. Yes, seriously. Uh, so meanwhile, we meet uh, Holly, who's basically Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver. Uh, and Selena complains to Holly how like we're stuck in these conditions and like I want out of this life. This can't just be full of Johns and pimps. And it's basically setting up Selena's motivation to become Catwoman in this okay. version. Okay, yes. we're, we're going for a very seedier, realistic, but also really R-rated version of Catwoman's origin versus her getting pushed out the window by if Christopher you go, Walken. If you go super realistic, though. With the dominatrix thing, the all black suit, like it's already kind of there. Yeah, yeah, you know? and a whip Fantasy. too. I mean, Jesus, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's oh, yeah. very BDSM. Yeah, yeah, she's my favorite. She's the closest <laughs> character in that universe. <laughs> I, I wonder why. Uh, she's the closest we got to a classic villain in in this script because unlike Batman Begins, there is no rogues gallery villain in this script. Oh shit! Oh, okay, so it's this the is streets. This God is like itself. almost too much of an extreme. The Riddler's too corny. And no. <laughs> And yeah, like Nolan basically gave us the perfect marriage between Aronofsky's like let's keep it realistic and grounded with motivation, plus comic booky stuff like Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow and Fear yeah. Thompson yeah, type supposedly stuff. Supposedly, so Goyer a- was the one that convinced him to keep Scarecrow's mask. I did ask Goyer that actually at one point. Oh really? Yeah, I Goy- forgot you met Goyer. Yeah, Goyer. I, I did. Yeah. What would he say? <clears throat> he said I didn't have to convince him, but I did have to explain to him like the purpose of the mask. Mm. Oh, that's gotcha. what he told me. Because it, I was just like, it does it inoculate him from his own fear yeah, gas, yeah. right? Like, think of it as a gas mask, is what yeah. he told him. So yeah, that's, yeah. All, that's all it was. Mm-hmm. Because um, if you look, if you freeze frame it, there is some shit like a breather inside of his mask. Yeah, dude. yeah. It's there. So anyway, when, totally he, t- yeah, t- when he takes yeah. the, the mask off of him, it's just like, yeah. you know, it's more of your medicine crane. Uh, so <clears throat> shit comes to a head when Detective Campbell drunkenly comes to Selena's place. Okay. And he wants. And he had some soup. With he him. wants his payment. Campbell soup. All right, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> he wants some uh-huh. of that. Selena soup. <laughs> Selena soup. Man, I'm I'm reaching here. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. that surely is funny. <laughs> so Campbell is assaulting Selena in her own place, but Bruce has seen this because he lives across the street and he goes in, and now we get to see Bruce unleashed on Campbell and he okay. beats the fucking shit out of him. And right when he might may or may not get, deliver the killing flow throw. <laughs> flow it's been a long day uh selena knocks him out squirt sorry <laughs> selena squirts and then squirts <laughs> no. Whoa, whale selena piece. knocks bruce out and says i'm oh, sorry shit. but he's mine okay 
Nice timing. <laughs> and, <laughs> Weird. And Bruce Excuse wakes me. up. When Bruce wakes up, he finds the cops dead. And Selena's okay. gone. And the cops are outside. And he's like, oh, shit. And he's okay. also wondering, what the hell happened? Did I kill him? Did she kill him? Okay. What's going on? White rage. But uh, <laughs> Jim Gordon. Too much privilege. Yeah. <laughs> or no privilege in this case. Yeah. Sorry, I meant white hot rage. Sorry. He's, living, he's living across the street from yeah, a bubble. I mean, There's not much privilege there. <laughs> so Jim Gordon has shown up with Flash to investigate. Like we've heard about the disturbance. Bruce is like, oh, shit. So he goes out the window to escape. Uh, as Flash investigates and he gets all pissed off because that's his dead partner on there. Okay. And he's like, I wanna gotta kill that bitch who's basically Selena. Okay. Uh and there's a tense moment as like Bruce is like hanging on the windowsill and shit as like Gordon's talking to Flash. And Gordon's like, Yeah, well maybe because maybe, you know, what if it was the pimp because he didn't want to make his payments anymore? And Flash is like, What watch what you fucking say in front of all the other guys. Okay. So again, this keeps up the tension of this. Uh that's going on. So Gordon's like, I've had it with Corruption. this, so he goes right to the police commissioner. <laughs> Because he's, he's fed up with this life because he wants to go home and kill himself all the time. So he tries to get a transfer, and he goes to the commissioner's office. And right when he gets to the commissioner's office, somebody bursts out of the office. And that's Assistant District Attorney Harvey Dent. Nice. Okay. He's like, I'm going to take you down, and I'm going to take down Estrada, who's a crime boss, basically. Okay. So Gordon's like, well, this isn't going to go well if Dent is going after the commissioner. Right, so he right, goes right. in, and we meet <laughs> uh, Commissioner Loeb, who is actually the main villain of this show. Has Commissioner Loeb been... He's been in a lot of different things. Is he a part of the comics? He's just yeah, kind of he's in the original year one. He's okay. one of the villains in the year one comic. It's just the year yeah. one comic is um, it's basically Loeb, Falcone, and Catwoman. Okay, and that's about it. They keep it very like grounded. So I think it would be safe to say that Nolan probably had a good maybe this script or like all these things as like a primer for. Right, I mean, I think where I, they were going, and I think he was drawing more from this comic than yeah. from the yeah. Aronofsky take. Yeah. But th- this idea of Commissioner Lowe being the the main villain does come from the comics. It's just he's even more of a villain in this than in the actual comic, cool. as we're going to find. Okay. Uh, let's see. Which is a big contrast to the one that we got in the Nolan movies, where he's basically just a commissioner trying to do his job until Joker kills him. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gordon asks for a transfer, and Robe is like, nope, it's my job to train cops how to behave in this city. And you haven't behaved yet. And he's like, I'd hate for anything to happen to your wife. Oh shit! So okay. it's establishing that Loeb is a threat, and Gordon can't even have like what he wants. He can't even go to anybody right now. So he goes home and puts a gun in his mouth again. Uh, and <laughs> for a second time, <laughs> he has a second time. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, whose wife? His wife? Gordon's or wife. Yeah, Gordon's yeah. wife. Yeah, and then his wife walks in and doesn't. She he's in the bathroom, right? So his okay. wife walks in and she says, "Jim, it's gonna be a boy." And he takes the gun out of his mouth and he realizes he's going to be a father. Oh, shit. And uh, he's happy, but also he realizes he's going to be raising a son in in Gotham. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't it be, I mean, by standard canon, it's a girl, right? Yeah, but again, in the original comic, they first had James Jr. Oh, okay, gotcha. uh, You know, when I think it was Scott Snyder took over in the Black Mirror, James Jr. turned into a villain. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) shit. Poor Gordon. (laughs) But anyway... (laughs) Raising a kid in Gotham, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah that, that's cool. Gordon's all pissed off. And Gordon is, just like in the comic where Gordon is almost more of the main character in this, Gordon is a has a huge presence in this. This is the most Gordon you've ever seen mm-hmm. in, okay. in a movie script, at least. Agency. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't know what to do because he realizes that he doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't want to die now because he's got a kid to raise. Mm-hmm. He's right. got to make this place a safer place. 
he finds out uh, that there's a mentally ill man who's escaped from Arkham and is had, holding kids hostage. And the SWAT okay. team's on their way. And he's like, oh, fuck. Because this, the Gotham SWAT... No, unfortunately Sorry. not. <laughs> Gotham SWAT team is known for being like a Gestapo. They like kill everybody. Okay. So he's like, those those kids that have been taken hostage are going to be dead unless I do something. So he shows up. That's cool. And Loeb was like, yeah, what the fuck are you going to do about it? And Gordon looks up and he's like, just fuck this. And he picks up his gun and he drops it onto the ground just as a demonstration to the guy who's taking the people hostage. And he goes up. And this is right out of the comic where he confronts this guy who is just talking nonsense because he's, yeah. I don't know, he's seeing visions, he's schizophrenic or something like that. And and uh, Gordon basically has to risk the fact that he's about to shoot this one kid. Okay. And he leaps forward and he punches the guy and he knocks him out and it's all captured on television. And watching this on television is Bruce Wayne. Okay. Mm. And Bruce is like, he's already in the middle of just like, I don't know, like I might have killed a man last night, I don't know what to do with my life. And then he sees Gordon on the TV and he sees this with concentration as they, the press go to Gordon and they're like, you know, what what empowers you to do this? And Gordon just is just like, you know, he's already in this like no fucks given phase. So he's like, <laughs> quote, he's like, quote, I don't like what passes for normal in this town. Crime is normal in Gotham. Corruption is normal. The scum of the city have taken so much from us, our youth, our families. I've declared my war on crime. Now you must fight back for what's been lost. Nice. Oh, shit. And Bruce sees this and Gordon basically pointing right at him through this TV screen. And he says, thank you, Father. I know what I must do. And he goes to that wooden box that little Al gave him, the, his inheritance, basically. And we cut to a little flashback of Thomas Wayne dying in the alley. And Thomas Wayne is taking off his ring. And he gives it to Bruce and he says, this is your inheritance. And we cut Whoa. back to present day where he, Bruce takes that ring out of the box and it says TW on no it. Shit. And he dons the ring. Uh, and he says, okay, I know what I must do. Uh, we cut back to, there's a nice moment where we cut back to Gordon in the aftermath of it, and a patrolman returns Gordon's gun, and he's like, uh, looks like the finish has worn off the barrel, <laughs> the amount of time that Gordon's put it in his mouth, and Gordon's like, well, I guess it's time for a new gun. Oh my so, God. Gordon is now no longer suicidal, he is bent on just taking down Loeb and everybody at this point, because he's empowered by the fact Ooh. he's got the media on his side. Yeah. Bruce now goes on his quest on his war on crime, starting with trying to find Selena because she's the only one who knows what happened that night. Did he kill the cop? Okay. Did she kill the cop? If she killed the cop, he's got to take her in. So he goes to Chi-Chi. Uh, he's like, you know an Iris? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cowboy. He's, oh, the Chi-Chi. Uh, they have a heated conversation, obviously, because it's Chi-Chi, and Chi-Chi refuses to tell Bruce anything, so he tries to go after him with a knife. Okay. And Bruce kicks him in the knee, and he runs off, and Chi-Chi yells, I've seen your face! So Bruce is like, all right, I need a... That's disguise. a cool line. That yeah. would be a cool That's scene. cool. If That's he's cool. yelling him down the street. Yeah, exactly. Like, I seen your face. <laughs> yeah, as Bruce is just running through. Like people yeah. So the head out the we are going to get a suit, and, and despite how realistic this is, we're yes. getting a suit. We are getting okay. a suit, but he's not going to get it from Morgan Freeman in a closet in the middle uh, yeah, of yeah, Wayne yeah. Enterprises. From ordering from China. You might want to read the instructions. Yes. <laughs> so Bruce decides, all right, I need a disguise. So he dons a fake scar, uh, and he's like pretending okay. he's like randomly going to alleys pretending to be a lost tourist so that he can lure muggers to them and you get the sense that he's finally alive because he likes the violence yeah he likes beating the Some shit out of criminals I'm talking about baby <laughs> wasn't there a name for his alter ego on the streets Matches Malone Matches Malone yeah so that oh, shit. he's not Matches Malone yet in here but he the scar makeup is like already coming off and he's like alright I need a different disguise but mm. we go home and instead of another scene of him screaming because of nightmares he's sleeping like a baby at home oh, shit. because that's what he's loose for yeah so he's like okay i'm gonna go up the chain of command in my war on crime 
It's like a Fight Club thing. Yeah, like yeah. He can finally sleep. Yeah, I can find. Yeah. This is what I was meant to do. So he goes to this one CD bar full of like prostitutes for like throwing themselves at him. He deliberately drops a ton of money there, money that he got because he stole it from the guys that he beat the shit out of. Oh shit! Um, and he's just enticing more criminals to come over. Uh, he's like wanting more and more of a fight. And he gets in over his head because he's like outnumbered. So he runs into the bathroom and he locks himself in there and is like, now what? And uh, in the voiceover, as he's presumably writing in the letter to his dad later, he's like, thank you, father, for all the chemistry sets you used to give me when I was young. And he opens the janitor's closet and he starts mixing the chemicals of the cleaners that he sees in there because he's going to create a bomb. Cool. Okay. And he creates an explosion that blows off the, the door. Batman. Yeah. He, <laughs> it blows off the door and uh, knocks out a bunch of the thugs and helps him fight his way out. Uh, and he's like, all right, like, I need protection. I need weapons. I need more of a technique. Uh, so he goes to the library and he checks out books like, quote, Understanding Ballistics, Improvised Munitions, Explosives, Step by Step, Guerrilla Warfare, <laughs> Neurochemistry, Weapons <laughs> 101 Sucker Punches. Anything else we can get you this weekend? <laughs> yes. The librarian is like freaked out and she's like, you know what? Just bring them back. Just do whatever you want with these. Do you know where the closest Radio Shack is? It's <laughs> pretty Yelp, everybody. Do you sell oven timers? <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce decides, all right, I need a costume. So he gets Did these a- chemicals have Ace on them, by the way? <laughs> yeah, no. They, yeah, they didn't go that far in it. Mm, man. So Bruce's next costume is basically looking like a hockey goalie. He's got a goalie's mask, padded gloves, shin guards, chest protector. And so he, he does wear hockey pads. In he this does wear. Yeah. He wears hockey pads in this. Good catch! Wow, wow. <laughs> he wears the hockey pads and he pays for it because he he finds it's way too cumbersome. He can't really oh, move yeah, very yeah. well. So he's like, I need something else. And uh, he's basically at home and he's been wearing the ring, the TW ring, the whole time. And it says that he's picking out people's flesh out of the ring. Nice. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> he's been punching everybody so, so hard. Like, yeah. Uh, and meanwhile on TV, people are reporting the activities of a vigilante, and they're like, we got branded by the bat. Yeah. Now, you see, that's oh, fucking shit. cool. The I T is over the W oh, right. on the yes. ring. Yes, so yes, when he yes. punches people, it looks like the silhouette of a bat each time. And it's from his father. Yeah. M- Mr. Miller. Yeah. And Bruce smiles because he realizes, like, okay, that's the missing piece. That's the edge. So there's no falling down a fucking shaft. There's no being baptized by bats. There's no bat cave. There's no bat flying through the window. This is, this is the closest that we get. Mm. And Bruce smiles. And when he smiles, we see he's missing all his front teeth. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's of all cool. the fights he's That's been cool, in. though, man. That's so humanizing. Uh, so it says, okay, so if you're wondering how he comes up with a bat suit, because there's more, no Morgan Freeman to hand it to him. Here's what it says. Quote, Bruce cuts a hockey mask in half, spray paints it black along with the ammo belt, the groin protector, and knife. He paints a pair of steel dentures white so they can actually have fucking teeth. Uh, Bruce welds a familiar but primitive bat logo into a pair of brass knuckles so he can still brand people with a bat. (laughs) Oh, my God. He tries them on over a pair of heavy leather gloves with razor blades fitted onto the side seams. He then fills the ammo belt with rope, duct tape, lockpick set, basically stuff that he could get off, like, you know, just... This is like junkyard Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's made stun grenades. He has syringes labeled stimulant, painkiller, truth serum, <laughs> fear toxin. That's an interesting one. Wow. Huh. Uh, smoke bombs, also homemade and dangerous looking. Throwing knives, pepper spray, smelling salts, tape recorder, binoculars, sewing kit, and super glue. So this it's is... all in his... Uh, wait, uh, does he have a cape? Yeah, of course, yeah. But it's <laughs> he's like, got a cape in this iteration right now? Well, yeah, he, he's now Batman. But he this is like guerrilla warfare streets Style. Batman. Yeah. So... Gotcha. 
as you can see, he he it's all bare bones. And before he has access to potentially some money yeah. and armor, he doesn't have bulletproof armor. He's, and he's got yeah. a bat cowl, bat like yeah cowl that he that he cut from the hockey mask that he's spray painted. Like that's what he's made. It's pretty it from. cool. I want to see yeah. that. Yeah, I know, right? That'd be a good Halloween costume to throw together. Yeah, (laughs) I'm enjoying the script so far, Ben. I know, I know. I love. I told you guys, I love this one. The more I've read this one, the more I've loved it. Because I remember I first read it, I'm just like, this is a, this is mind fuck. What the hell were they thinking? But now I'm like, like, why didn't we get this? I'll allow it. The pacing's good, and like, well, I mean, we're not going beat by beat, but you know, yeah, I'm gonna give you guys moment to moment is like moments, yeah, engaging. Yeah, so Gordon goes out to dinner with uh, his wife to celebrate the fact, you know, I've got the media on my side, things are looking up. It's a win. It's a win, and then he (laughs) sees Commissioner Loeb with the mob boss Estrada, who's either named Emilio Estrada or Carlos Estrada. They they were not consistent about his name (laughs) because all I guess they all thought Latino sounds like that. They're gonna come to the same Arby's that (laughs) we came to. So Gordon, so unrealistic. Latinos don't go to Arby's. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so Gordon gets pissed at the taco go to truck. Del Taco, man. Del Taco. <laughs> Real no, Mexican it's, food. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not specified what food it is, but Gordon Lee, he's pissed. He leaves. The, he just walks out of the dinner because it's, it's a just like, Holy fuck! Yeah, because he's That's like Arby's sounded. Most he's funny. Gordon is pissed at the fact that Gotham is so corrupt that the police commissioner can walk in and have dinner with the top mob boss and nobody bats an eye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's got to raise... They're all on the take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's got to raise a son in this city. So his wife's like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I gotta, I'm going to go to the mayor directly. Because, again, you know, being a father gives him a reason to live again. So he goes to Mayor Noon, who seems concerned, and he's like, all right, like, lay low until you gather more evidence. Um, but Gordon doesn't listen because he's impatient. So he starts going after drug dealers and stuff, gathering up evidence. Um, so Flass and Loeb are like, we got to do something. So just like in the comic, when he's about to go home from work, Flass and a bunch of other cops show up in the park in the parking garage with baseball bats. Ooh. And they're like, oh, shit. And Flass okay. is like, open a sock. Yeah. So Flass, <laughs> is like, <laughs> Flass is like, do just enough to keep him out of the hospital. And then they beat the shit out of him. Nice. That's, uh, and then, meanwhile, the mayor visits Commissioner Loeb, and he's like, what's this I'm hearing about? I got an officer who got beat up. Like, what the hell is going on? And surprise, surprise, Loeb is like, sit down. Maybe you need to remember who's running the show. Dang. And uh, he uh, he gives him his... I don't know, one, another, there's another scene where he just hands the mayor the yellow envelope and everything, and he's like, I know what to do with Gordon. Uh, and Gordon goes to Loeb, and Loeb is like, so uh, you've been making some trouble. I'm going to reassign you. You're going. You're getting the Batman case. And Gordon's like, well, this is bullshit because he's just giving this to me because he doesn't like the fact I'm going after him. So now I have to deal with this lunatic mm-hmm. Batman, but I'll do my job. But this sort of starts the whole Gordon Batman thing yeah. that we need in here. So Gordon starts the case. He goes to the hospital. All right, let me visit the, the all the thugs that wound up in the hospital with the mark of the bat. And he goes there and he realizes the whole room is silent. All these thugs and stuff who would normally be like, this is bullshit, man, or fighting with the nurses, they're all quiet because he realizes they're all scared. They're all traumatized mm, by yeah. being visited. Uh, so he goes to his prime suspect in the Batman case, who is Harvey Dent. <laughs> now, okay. Dent is kind of the sarcastic, wise, he's not really wisecracking, but he's like the, almost the comic relief of the script because he, he has the funniest lines in here while still huh. being realistic. He's, he's not a like sharp, a jokester. sharp guy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Dent is... This sort of forms the friendship between Dent and Gordon. 
already. And uh, he's surprised that Gordon even wants to take down Batman because he's like, I heard you're one of the few good cops and Batman's just going after the guys that you hate. And Gordon's like, yeah. well, this guy's a terrorist. Like, he's not going to stop. Like, I, I, like, I'm not going to stop until he goes down. So, already, like, Gordon just hates Batman right now. But really, okay. it's just him taking out his frustration on the fact that he's been assigned this bullshit assignment. Does he uh, go back yeah. home and put a gun in his mouth? No, not anymore. Because <laughs> he's going to be a dad now. That changes everything. <laughs> it's just okay. Yeah. So some examples of Dent's dialogue. Like Gordon comes in. He's like, I need a search warrant. And Dent's like, you don't need this warrant to search my place, Jim. You're always welcome. Come over tonight. Dig through my underwear drawer for a mask and cape. Gordon's like, sorry, you're not a suspect anymore, Harvey. You're just not Batman material. Dent's like, oh, my wife will be so disappointed. She's really into the suit. Nice. <laughs> so, like, Dent is, like, he's the furthest that you could he's get. He's a cool cucumber, yeah, man. He's like, a cool cat. You could easily watch this movie in 1999, 2000, and forget the fact that he's supposed to be Two-Face, or forget that he turned, that, like, this is the same character Tommy Lee Jones played in Batman Forever. <laughs> is this, uh, this is very much on purpose that they, they wanted to make him, like, seem normal instead of a... You know, duality yeah. fucking like, you know. Yeah, it, it's too early for that. And it, there's not enough room in the story to deal with Harvey's demons. But in the year one comic, Harvey is a part of it. And he's, uh, unfortunately, in the script, uh, they didn't include the comic part where Harvey was actually Batman's first ally before Gordon. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, kind, which I always liked because it kind of showed that Harvey was more willing to flex the rules before Gordon. Which okay. is like foreshadowing of the fact that Dent would eventually just be completely immoral. Just period. Uh, but Gordon's been noticing Batman's been taking down a lot of the crime boss Estrada's operation, so maybe I can bait the Batman sort of thing or have him do my dirty work for me. So he he does a search warrant on one of Estrada's warehouses. Obviously, he doesn't get anywhere, but we stay at the warehouse afterwards. Chi-Chi is there. <laughs> Uh, right when, I love Chi Chi, man. Yeah, I love Chi Chi. You, you chuckle each time you say Chi Chi. I just love his name, and I just love <laughs> seeing, again, Harvey Keitel and Taxi Driver I'm just clean, randomly being in this man. 2000, <laughs> this year 2000 <laughs> Batman movie. Chi Chi means titty in Japanese. Also in Mexican. Oh, really? really? Okay. Yeah. Chi In Mexican, <laughs> says, <laughs> says the Latino right here. <laughs> All right, so, so Titty is there. Titty. And, and Batman titty. shows Big up. Crash, Batman does the classic thing of crashing through the skylight. Uh, yes. here, uh, interrogates the criminals, and it's brutal. Like, at one point, Batman ducks, so one thug accidentally shoots Chi-Chi. So, sorry, Chi-Chi, but you're Ooh. dead. Uh, oh, I don't man. think Chi-Chi yeah. dies yeah, in this scene. I think so, because yeah, we don't hear from him again. Oh, um, man, I miss Titty already. One At one point, <laughs> one of the thugs is, like, gasping for air, because I think he's, like, something's been crushed in him. So, Batman, just without even looking, performs a tracheotomy on him. Oh, uh, and just tears open his throat. Gordon? On one of the thugs. Oh, the thugs, yeah, yeah. okay. And he's like, tell me where Estrada is. And so they tell him he's at the docks. Uh, and so Batman takes off and we get introduced to, quote, a black Lincoln Continental drives through the bleak, barren streets of Gotham at breakneck speed. Except it's not an, any ordinary Lincoln Continental. It's the Batmobile. Yeah. Its windows are tinted opaque. Heavy steel bumper modifications have been welded to the chassis. The hood has been chopped back to make room for the supercharged school bus engine that powers it. <laughs> and, and it's it been driven by Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> All you need is a Lincoln. <laughs> and it drives without headlights. It okay. says, quote, like a car possessed, reckless, and demonic. Yeah. So he just flat out crashes the Batmobile through the warehouse doors of Estrada's place. And he, he just pops out and he says, two options. Tonight, you can go to the prison or to the prison hospital. Choice is yours. 
And then they all charge at him, and he's like, that's the one I hoped you pick. Because, again, he wants the fight. <laughs> yeah. He gets yeah, off yeah, on yeah. this. That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a direct lift from The Dark Knight Returns as he sees a thug coming after him, and he says the actual quote from it where he says, quote, there are seven working defenses from this position. Three of them disarm with minimal contact. Three of them kill. The other just hurts. And then he sidekicks <laughs> the guy in the hip. Oh, shit. And then the voiceover says, he's young father. He'll walk again, but he'll stay scared. Uh, and then he finds Estrada and he ties him up. But he's talking to his own dad, so we're getting some inner monologue. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like part. It's like Taxi Driver. Yeah. Boy. Gotcha. He's, oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he's yeah. writing the letter. talking to like an unseen kind of that's yeah, one, exactly. That's one of the things that happens a lot in comics, but you it's taken out a lot in comic book movies because it's such a stylistic choice. Yeah. Like they do that with Sin City a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, Frank Miller. And Frank, yeah. yeah, Frank Miller, but you know, definitely not in the Marvel movies whatsoever. Yeah. They don't have to. But it's you know it's one of those things that gets lost in translation. Maybe know? with the film noir influence, Matt Reeves will change that. It actually probably could happen. Yeah, I, I, I thought that see before that happen, as yeah. well. Yeah, it's one of the things because I was thinking about if you were to reboot Batman in this day and age, what stuff is left to do? And I'm just like, okay, well that's one of them. Is the whole noir voiceover stuff hasn't been done yet? Not at all. And I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. Hey everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop. RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into, or uh, import game, please go to retroco.com. That's retro-ko.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to RetroCo.com, you can also go to Facebook.com slash RetroCo with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European. Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Superhouse discount. So he finds Estrada, he ties him up, and he injects him with one of his syringes. And he says, this is hydrostrychnine sulfate. You can think of it as a cross between truth serum and the worst acid trip of your life. Yeah. Makes the stuff they had at Woodstock. <laughs> <I'm into it. laughs> yeah. Makes the stuff they had at Woodstock feel like aspirin. You, no, I really <laughs> love you. So we, we cut to Estrada telling everyone he loves him. <laughs> yes. uh, he, he, he cut to Estrada and he's spilling his guts out about it. He's like, here's how the whole operation works. Loeb is in charge of everything. And the cops are just like, cut him down before he, t- you know, he talks too much. Is Walton Goggins from Ant-Man mm. 2 there? He's was also a truth serum. Strata. So. Oh, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. He could be Chi-Chi. Nah, maybe not Chi-Chi. He'd be wasted Chi-Chi's as Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi's got to be uh, that Guzman guy. I'd like to introduce oh, yeah. to my friend <laughs> Guzman. Yeah. Guzman. So, uh, Gordon's at the GCPD. He's glad Estrada was caught, but nothing Estrada can say can hold up in court because he was like it was under the influence of this drug that he was given to him by another criminal. So, okay. uh, outside, Batman's just chilling in the Batmobile listening to Estrada's confession on the tape recorder. And he realizes, and he tells, you know, Father, the real culprits. I thought the, I took down the generals. The real generals are the police. 
Now I have to mm. go after the police. Yes. Uh, so we go to Bruce's apartment, and Bruce is like nearly dead from his injuries from the previous night. But little Al discovers him and patches him up. And Bruce wakes up, and he's surprised that little Al didn't call the cops on him. And little Al says, quote, uh, Now they train me to heal a man on the outside with bandages and thread, but there ain't nothing anyone can do for those wounds on the inside. You just stay the hell out of the way and hope they sort it out for themselves. I've been wondering when you were going to go off, but this, this is something else. Uh, so obviously Alfred is out of the picture and they had a completely different type of character serving the same purpose, but it kind of works in this, in this interpretation of it. Uh, and he brings up, you know, if I brought you to the hospital, they would have thrown you right into Arkham. Mm. And we cut to Arkham Asylum. And uh, Gordon goes and he passes, quote, a pair of orderlies pass wheeling a young, very pale man in a straitjacket with greenish hair. And an orderly says to him, ha, 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 you're joking. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's this a little, guy's a joker. It's a little over the top with the... Break fourth wall. I'm like, I didn't really need that in this one. Because yeah. it kind of just... It feels like suddenly in this really cool take that's like R-rated taxi driver version, it's like, here's, a, here's an Easter egg that's like hits you over the head. I'm like, uh, somehow okay. got damage tattooed on his forehead. Yeah. Well, it's weird. And Jared Leto gets new life. So Gordon wow. visits one of the psychiatrists at Arkham. I, I was hoping it was a combo character, but it wasn't. Her name is just Dr. Patricia Halcombe. I feel like there, there's some cases where they could have put in a combo character, mm-hmm. but they didn't just to keep it more realistic. Right, right, right. So uh, Gordon says, you know, basically based on what she tells him, he's like, so this guy's become a demon in order to fight his demons, which I thought was a cool Fuck line. That's yeah. cool. I yeah. mean, that's, That'd that's be a good tag <laughs> on the poster, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how I've always, not always, but I've, I feel like I've thought something along those lines when I've yeah. thought deeply about the bat. Yes, yes. So <laughs> he goes to his car, and that's when a bat reporter harasses him. Um, her name's Janet. It's not. I was hoping it was Vicky Vale, but whatever. And she's like, she wants Stupid. more out of it. Yeah, I know, right? She wants more out of him, and he doesn't want to talk to the press. And she's like, you know, Gordon, doesn't it anger you that you've been put out to pasture while the Department of Corruption is running rampant? And then Gordon, like, is furious at her. And then he's just like, wait, you've got me. And he's like, all right, what do you want to know? And then we cut to uh, Loeb and the mayor talking about the fact that there's been a news article out talking about, you know, suspicious corruption in Gotham. And mayor's like, you know, people are going to find out and stuff. And Loeb's like, you know, we'll stay in control. Uh, but I'd like to talk amongst the boys about what we've okay. got to do. we got to talk about these parties. Uh, in the at Around the same time, we catch up with Selena Kyle. Okay. And Selena Kyle's mm-hmm. also talking about these parties because she has intense... She has the intent to go after the people who were in charge of Chi-Chi. She has the intent to have get revenge cool. on the man type of thing. So we're starting to see a little bit more character crossover. It's like the seeds indicated. of these, the, the tide is yeah. turning, are being planted here. And yeah, now. exactly. And right, right, right. Awesome. So uh, all these characters. Before that, uh, we, have a, we have a nice little scene where Gordon is... Uh, brings up, oh yeah, he brings up like the cops are on to me. I have a file of all my stuff of my suspicions on Loeb, and the cops raided my office and my home when they found it. So I don't know what's going to happen to me. And uh, he's all frustrated with his Batman case. And Gordon's like, "quote He's a terrorist, Harvey, a dangerous psychopath. Who knows how far he'll take his personal war on crime?" And Harvey sarcastically says, "Yeah, really scary to think how far a guy will go to rid this town of crime." As he's looking <laughs> right at Gordon. Uh, so again, I just love this version <laughs> of awesome. Harvey. Yeah. yeah, that's so great. <laughs> He's like the opposite of what you would think of anybody who becomes a supervillain. Like, there's no two face foreshadowing whatsoever in this. They just play <laughs> yeah. it like, oh, he's just like he's the cool, comic right, relief right, character. Right, right, right. There's still honor and some bit of innocence yeah. maybe there before he completely. 
but he's he's Gary. He would have guaranteed it's, been somebody they explore in the sequel. It's a lot yeah. better actually than Nolan's introduction in a sense because I always thought that scene where he's like, "I recommend you buy American." <laughs> yeah. You know, it was just like too over the top for the Nolan film. <laughs> like I don't know, man. Like that setup was. I did like it, Some but it, you're right. Great yeah. about it, I think. Yeah, I like the potentially the suaveness of this yeah, character. Yeah. You know, he's just like he. Yeah. Like, as soon as Gordon walks into his office or whatever, he's already pouring a drink. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, right, right, right. Mad Men kind of. I don't know. I wish, oh, yeah. I wish I saw more of that. You know, like I, I wish that Harvey was set up in a uh, yeah in a trilogy. Yeah. Rather than just all yeah, everything in one movie, too. where like the first movie was like this, where he's just like he's just the ally side character type. Yeah, there might be like one or two Easter eggs that foreshadow Two Face, but that's about it. And then the second one is when you explore him more, and then he gets mm-hmm. scarred, but like he's not all evil yet. He's just been scarred and he's wounded. Right. And then the third one is the descent into becoming Two Face. You mm-hmm. feel for more <clears throat> with that, yeah, with that kind of intro. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the animated series did it perfectly with like they had a few yeah. episodes of Harvey he got he was hostage or he was in danger because of Poison Ivy at one point and then like then they had the two-faced episode right mm-hmm. so it was it was great how they did it <clears throat> anyway we used so to date I remember that yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so we have the party of the corrupt heroes I mean not the corrupt heroes but they're not heroes uh the corrupt officials of Gotham and they well, you know it's again this this type of world they hire all these prostitutes to come in and okay. undercover as one of them is Selena Kyle and Lowe picks her personally to be in his bedroom uh, but he's like you know <laughs> hang out here mofo, <laughs> man. I bet she's the hottest yeah so he, he's like you know <laughs> hang out here I'll be back and when he leaves she immediately goes into thief mode and hides a camera in there to um, sort of catch him in the act of stuff and takes one of the pillowcases and starts stealing loot and one of the things that she steals ends up being Gordon's file okay so uh, Loeb's at the party and he tells the other criminals like I'm not too worried about Batman he gives off the impression the city is somehow like safe and you know it's gonna be, get better and everything when you know he's just a lunatic in a mask and somebody's gonna kill him at some point point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Batman is outside listening to all this and he's about to attack until Selina gets caught okay. by Loeb's men and he overhears this and she's like oh shit so she improvises and she tears off her belt and uses that as a whip against them uh, so again, foreshadowing of, of Catwoman and everything. Uh, and as more men come in and she's about to be outnumbered, the Batmobile crashes through the, <laughs> through the wall and runs over them. <laughs> Batman steps out and immediately tasers a guy. <laughs> and he's like, get in. <laughs> Until Selena to get into I the need Batmobile. this I kind of Batman action scenes, bro. Take charge, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a brief Batmobile chase. It's not the same level as like the stuff that you saw in, in any in the other movies. So, but Actually, I just thought of this yep. this batman has not really taken the whole like ninja lessons yet huh he's not very uh subtle he's just, just a tough yet. guy yeah he's not he doesn't do the whole disappearing act he he just bursts in and beats the shit out of you <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. fine you which know? he probably grew up on the streets getting in fights and stuff yeah exactly like, you wouldn't need it at this level this anyway right clean yeah. looking mm-hmm. young white kid and like, right potentially like yeah exactly cultural that, they, the, they the ninja shit could be for the later for the for the sequel. He can, lure, he can yeah, refine yeah, the fighting stuff because yeah, they never yeah, really explore. Cool, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they never explore how he learned to fight. It's just basically it's explained as him taking out his race, street his fighting actual, and shit. Yeah. He's just learning to fight from just beating people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, cool. It would be it would be kind of a cool little character arc, not super deep, but like they're like. Maybe Alfred says, or he finds on the little street, Al, that, you mean? little Al. He needs to be more. Uh, 
you need to be more subtle or whatever. You need you you, you could have the advantage if you were a little quieter or some some line like that in the sequel, not yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Not this one. Right. Yeah, year two or something. But yeah, yeah there's a little Batmobile chase. Gangsters are firing at him. This was really fucking badass. It says one bullet cuts a bloody streak across Batman's shoulder. He pays it no heed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, and at one point, like they're just like, where is he? And then he makes his appearance by turning on the lights, which is kind of just like that scene in Begins that I always thought was hilarious, oh, where yeah. when yeah. he turns off his lights and they're just like, where is he? We lost him. And then he turns them back on. They're like, there he is. Here. I'm like, I don't think I can really do that in real life, but whatever. <laughs> right here. So he escapes from the cops and everything and drives off and Selena's like, uh, thank you. And he's like, you're going to prison for killing Detective Campbell. And uh, he puts handcuffs on her, but she's able to get out of them because she's like, what were you thinking? I'm a handcuff expert. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. So, Rihanna. So she runs out of the <laughs> Batmobile. She was like a fetus at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she runs out no, of the Batmobile. Yeah. Batman chases her down, and she's like, I didn't kill Campbell. And she's like, then who did? Was it the garage mechanic? As in, like, him? Right. Uh, and she's like, no, it was Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi mm. was fed up giving the money to the cops. Uh, so he was the one who did it. And that sort of absolves both of them. Yeah, and Chi-Chi's kind of a martyr. Yeah, <laughs> he ends the subplot. Uh, it should just be Gary Oldman, like he played in True Romance <laughs> again. <laughs> wow, that would be incredible. Yeah. That would be an incredible demotion yeah, from Gordon to Chi-Chi. He could do it, man. <laughs> he would elevate that role. He could play every role. <laughs> this week, Gary Oldman plays everybody. Batman, <laughs> Gordon, <laughs> Joker. I'll um, allow it. He'd be a uh, great joker. Selena, and then Selena is like, it was Chi-Chi, I'm, now I've told you the truth, garage boy. And she knows that it's him. She knows it's Bruce. Nah. <clears throat> and she's like, my whole life I've only met one real man. I'm not about to get, not about to forget those eyes. So Batman decides right. to let her God go. damn, the love interest has begun, everyone. <clears throat> go down. Yes. Phallus. <laughs> uh, and- He's referring to his penis, everybody. Yes. <laughs> So Selena tells him, I have this bad feeling the only way I'm going to see you... Tuck it behind your pants. (laughs) Behind the belt. Selena tells him to put that thing away. No, uh, she says, says, I have this bad feeling the only way I'm ever going to see you again is if I commit a crime. Batman's like, I wouldn't recommend that. You didn't do so well on your debut. Selena's like, yeah, well, practice makes perfect, doesn't it? So it's that she's going to become Catwoman to get his attention. (laughs) Which makes sense. I mean, in the comics, she's somewhat uh, inspired to become Catwoman from seeing Batman. So this one, now that she has a personal connection to him, it's kind of her way to continue this dance that they've started. Love it. So he holds up the... <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's, it's all set up in a unique way it's that hot. it doesn't necessarily draw from the comics directly, but it does it in such a way where it's just like, well, that makes sense for this version. Yeah. So Batman's like, yeah. aren't you forgetting yeah. something? And he holds up the loot, and she's like, keep it. There's something in there you might find interesting. And so he goes through it, and he finds Gordon's file. And he's like, this could be the one thing that uh, like helps this out, that helps out nice. Gordon, that, that takes the city she's back. sneaky. Uh, and little Al shows up and he's like, hey, I want to show you something. So little Al takes him downstairs under the garage. He says, quote, this place connects to the access tunnels. It's like a maze back in there. It runs all under the city. It connects to all the like tunnels and shit like that. So yes. now we have our makeshift bat cave underneath little Al's repair garage. Love it. Hell yeah. Uh, Chi-Chi's graves right there. That would be cool, too, if they had maybe some kind of like levels to the garage no what am i saying like if there was like a doorway like some kind of like uh 
what do you call this? Like a drawbridge type of door where cars can Maybe, go yeah. under. Ooh, and, and that's a how the wall that he oh. takes out later, and it's just kind of yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. Chunks. That'd be cool. <clears throat> anyway, but I always liked the idea of Batman's Batcave being in the city, as opposed to just mm. like, all right, it's under Wayne Manor. Let me take the elevator down, put the costume on, get into the car. Drive about twenty miles into Gotham, finally make it to this. There's a whole drive there, right, where he's thinking to himself. <laughs> yeah. Park the Batmobile podcast. Yeah, listening to Super House podcast. Parking the car. I'll listen. I'll finish the rest later. Then goes to the rooftop to talk to Gordon. In the meantime, Joker's already killed like twenty five people. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like, right. just get already have him in the city. Get out, and then he already knows what's going on. All right, yeah, fair enough. So. As long as you can hide that shit. Since Loeb was attacked by Batman, Loeb was like, all right, never mind. This Batman needs to go down. Gordon, I'm putting the pressure on you or I'm taking your badge away. So uh, we cut to Batman. Gordon puts a gun in his mouth. (laughs) So Gordon puts a gun in his mouth. (laughs) So Batman goes patrolling and he witnesses uh, witnesses a family about to get mugged. And the mugger pulls out a gun. He's like, money, now and everything. And Batman does nothing. He doesn't do with the single thing, and the mugger runs off with all the all the loot, and the victims are all like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" And then Gordon, we Gordon's just like a block away. He's like, "All right, call it off," and everybody is revealed to be an undercover cop. Oh, and Batman oh, had figured that out. That's why he didn't even go even in. The kid, the kid who was like one of the one of the cops. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like a really short guy. <laughs> it's like Doogie Howser, but I as a cop, you the wig wasn't gonna work. <laughs> These shorts are too short. <laughs> wow. I like looking, that guy. Batman's looking down and he's just like, kids obviously admit I can see his balls. <laughs> yeah. I want that guy, your New York shorts. bro, to talk to um, uh, Herzog. We need that That's the new intro. The yeah. guy. Okay. Uh, so Gordon's like, call it off, whatever. And as Gordon's packing it up, then he finds Batman. And Batman's like, you know, you need my help. To take down the corruption. And Gordon's like, he's here. And so all the cops surround them. And it's revealed that like Gordon knew that the first one wasn't really going to work. And deliberately left himself out so that Batman could find him. And now this is the real trap. So Batman's like, oh shit. So he runs towards an abandoned tenement. They fire at him. Batman has no armor. So he's shot in the leg as he runs inside. Uh, And then they're like, all right, Batman's inside this abandoned building. Bring in the SWAT team. Again, this is the SWAT team with a reputation for killing everybody. <laughs> so they bring in the SWAT team. Gordon's not successful in having them call off, off, and everybody wants Batman's head, especially Commissioner Loeb, because Loeb is in a helicopter, and uh, they're like, shall we drop it, sir? And he's like, yes. And the helicopter drops a bomb on the building. Oh, a shit. bomb? It up, yeah. Jeez. This is right out of the comic, yeah. We're in the third act now? Yeah, we're heading into the third act, and now okay. Batman is in a burning building filled with transients who are burning to death, and he's like, I can't do anything for them. I have to go to safety. Everything. I'm sorry. Uh, and Jeez. he can't save anybody. Realistic, but he, he though, to, I guess. Yeah, he has to go. Yeah. Dang. That's like the beginning of Demolition Man. Yeah. So he <laughs> not that he hides out. Um, he hides out, and then they're just like, just to make sure, because then the SWAT team. So the Gestapo-like SWAT team goes into the abandoned building, and there's like they go through trying to find a body. They can't find a body, but someone starts picking them off. Okay. And of course, it's Batman. Sweet. So right outside, Gordon is. Uh, you know, being patched up because he got kind of wounded in the fight and the scuffle, and he finds that Batman actually slipped him a microfilm that oh, contains shit. the evidence that he needs. And Microfiche? He, yeah. And what he doesn't realize is that, that uh, Detective Flash is noticing that he's got something. So a little plant there for something that comes off later. But anyways, Batman's inside, and in the comic and in Batman Begins, to get away from the SWAT team, uh, Batman triggers the device under his boot. 
that brings the bats to them. Oh, shit. Now, in this world, it didn't really make any sense because he doesn't have the money for that type of shit because mm-hmm. you can't pick that up at the hardware store. So instead, he creates a bomb and blows up the toilet and goes through the fucking shit and piss <laughs> of the pipes so he can make it back to the bat cave where little Al can be like, holy shit, take a shower and then patch him up. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, this, this, is, this script is motherfucking Cracker Jack. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> This might Damn. actually... I think this does beat out the Mankiewicz script as my favorite Batman script that wasn't made, actually. It is, yeah. It's fucking awesome. It is amazing. This yeah. might be my favorite, actually. Yeah. It's so Gordon goes to... Har- the walls. Gordon goes to Harvey Dent, and he's like, I got the microfilm of evidence, and, you know, maybe Batman's not as bad as I thought. So this is the continuing Bat- the Gordon-Batman relationship where he's like, okay, like, he's not a bad guy. He was trying to help me. He didn't try to kill any of the cops. He could have easily done that. You know what? Mm-hmm. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> we can I use like his him. evidence against Estrada. So, um... Meanwhile, Bruce is, he wants to go back out there, but he's healing from his wounds because he got, uh, he got fucking blown up. Uh, little Al's like, rest, and the TV is on, and the TV's talking about, Warning Corporation, you know, is close to the 15-year deadline. Can they find the missing heir? And Little Al tells Bruce, it's you. And Bruce is like, no, that little boy's dead. And then he puts on the suit, and he says, I'm making the most of my inheritance. Uh, so the Batmobile's all been beaten up, but he switches to a motorcycle, and he takes the motorcycle to Gordon's place. And he tells him something's going down tonight. I don't know what exactly, but uh, something's going down. And Gordon's like, I know a way to find out. And we cut to uh, Detective Flass, who has been busy visiting a bunch of drug dealer type guys. And Flass goes outside to take a piss. And uh, Gordon goes up to him. And he's like, I need to know what's going on tonight. And Flass is like not taking him seriously. And Gordon's like, don't worry. I'm going to do just enough to keep you out of the hospital. Uh, As a callback from what Flass said before about him. And he was like, I heard you were a Green Beret. And Flash was like, yeah. And Gordon's like, so I guess you deserve a handicap. And he throws him a baseball bat. And Flash, <laughs> and Flash uh, tries to hit him with a baseball bat. And Gordon dodges and starts beating the shit out of Flash. And this yeah. is Gordon now finally unhinged. After all this bureaucratic bullshit that he's had to go through, he just takes it out on this cop. And he's like, <laughs> you know, he stops himself at one point. He's like, you know, I said just enough to keep you out of the hospital. And then he literally just says out loud, ah, fuck it. And starts breaking his ribs. Yeah, <laughs> that's somewhat out of the comic, right? Kind of, yeah, yeah. That, that scene yeah. is from the comic, just yeah. not the off oh, fuck it part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and as he's walking away after having beat the shit out of Flash, Flash says, "Say hi to your wife for me." And Gordon realizes that what was going down is that the cops are coming to kidnap his pregnant wife, and so he rushes shit. back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he rushes back. He's like, "I shouldn't have left home to beat the shit out of him." <laughs> so he goes. He goes home, and there's four cops who are taking kidnapping his wife. And Commissioner Loeb is like in the back seat, just smoking a cigar, being like, <laughs> "He was like, I didn't want him to come to this. <laughs> you don't come to my town." And, yeah. and, and <laughs> so it's a great. Hey, Jonah James. <laughs> <laughs> Batman's a menace. It's played by Adam Sandler. I'm the commissioner. You don't mess with <laughs> chlorophyll. More like chlorophyll. I want <laughs> mugshots shots of Batman. So it's Gordon against four cops and no, Lowe. I will not make out with you. <laughs> oh god, we can go forever. All right, so, keep All right, going, man. so where was I? Okay, so yeah, it's Gordon. It's one man versus four cops. Four armed cops are all shooting at him. Gordon got sh- gets shot in the stomach. Oh, they shoot. they drive off only to find you're the, not gonna die. Yeah, they find, yeah Gordon's not gonna <laughs> it's die. It's like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're about to leave the garage until they find that someone's blocking the exit, and it's Batman on his motorcycle, and he charges the motorcycle right at the truck. Motorcycle in this movie, yeah. too? it's 
probably well, just he's, a regular, just a regular ass, ass motorcycle yeah, that he probably stole from somewhere. Black. Yeah. <laughs> he drives right at the truck. He punches it with the symbol of the yeah. bat. The bat <laughs> symbol. <laughs> punches his own fucking motorcycle. He's like, why isn't it, why isn't it embedding? Why isn't it branding? <laughs> so he charges the motorcycle right at the truck, jumps up, and smashes his boot right through the windshield into the driver's face. Yeah, uh, he's good at this. The truck crashes with Batman on it. <laughs> And given the scuffle, his costume gets all fucked up and his mask is gone. So now we got okay. Batman, who's been in a severe car accident, and Gordon, who's bleeding, like, you know, from his fucking gut. Both guys are out of shape, and the only one who's in any healthy shape is Commissioner Loeb. Just saying something, because the dude is, like, fucking obese. <laughs> so Loeb has the wife hostage. <laughs> He's got the gun to the, the wife. Gordon's out of bullets. And Bruce pulls out his throwing knife. And there's like the stare down between Loeb and Gordon and Batman. And Loeb is like taunting. He's like, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, Gordon, like you, you're empty because I counted the bullets. And you have a code against killing. And he points to Batman. And Gordon turns to Batman. And he's like, do it. And Batman throws the knife. And it goes through Loeb's eye. <laughs> and, and his response. Not going to kill him. Yeah. And Loeb, because Loeb, last thing Loeb said was like, you have a code. And after he throws the knife into Loeb's eye, Bruce says, I've got a lot of codes. <laughs> uh, and well, this one's binary. Yeah. So, and then Batman goes to Loeb, pulls the knife out, and starts carving something into Loeb's face. Shit. And well, wow, Gordon reunites with his wife, and then, uh, and he says, "Here's something to remember me by." As he slashes it, and Gordon looks, and he sees that he slashed a Z into Loeb's face, mm-hmm. uh, which is exactly what Batman does to Lex Luthor in The Dark Knight Strikes Again, which is also by Miller. But he carves the Z because of Zorro. Right, the mm-hmm. movie that he saw his parents uh, and Gordon's like that doesn't look like the mark of a bat what does that mean Batman's like it's a gift for a kid I used to know a long time ago so this is him sort of embracing the fact that he is Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. uh, that he is going to get his inheritance his full inheritance back uh, and Gordon's like Siren's coming you better go and Batman turns to go and Gordon says just so you know I'm practically blind without my glasses nice so, so it's kind of ambiguous shit. whether yeah. or not Gordon actually can tell you kind of look Bruce. like Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, that's cool. But I wasn't even like, thinking about that. Yeah. Now keep in mind, this is a world where Bruce Wayne hasn't come out of the limelight yet, so nobody oh, yeah. knows what he looks like. It doesn't matter that much. Yet. Yeah, it's not but like still. a fucking Richard Branson type right. just yet. He's probably all beat up. Yeah. yeah. And so Batman's like, "I'll see you around, detective." And a truck drives in between them, and he disappears on the truck. And Gordon's like, "Thanks, Batman." And we see the truck, and the truck says, "Little Al and Son's Garage." Oh shit! Yeah, so Alfred or Al came to pick him up. So Gordon's seen nice. as a hero. Loeb and police corruption are all exposed, and we cut to Bruce writing one last letter to his dad, and he's basically saying, "This is my way of saying goodbye. I will make the most out of my inheritance, since I will always love you." And he adds it to the collection of letters, and he starts burning the letters in the garden. And little Al shows up, and he totally ruins the scene. But little Al is like, "This place is sweet," <laughs> and he runs around, <laughs> and Bruce. And we reveal that the garden is actually the garden of Wayne Manor. As Bruce walks back to Wayne Manor and the news reports that Bruce Wayne has returned from the dead and turned out he was just in Europe with some supermodels and everything, but now he's back in Gotham to take over uh, the Wayne tech. Mm -hmm. And this news report is going on in this sort of empty, abandoned penthouse apartment where a certain somebody is in the middle of a burglary in a full Catwoman outfit. And as she steals a diamond necklace, she sees the television and she recognizes who Bruce Wayne actually is. And she's like, oh, the plot thickens. And then she goes <laughs> yeah. off, and then that's the end of the script. Yeah! Wow. That's what a, good. And- whenever you first told me about this script, yeah. like you told me the, like, the initial beats, I was like, 
I don't know. <laughs> but then, you know, now That's listen great. to it. Like, this is fucking fantastic. It's amazing. I, I yeah. wish this was made. It was it was well before his time. It, yeah. it, was it really was, yeah. wasn't and it? And even though you have, like, the Big Al and the Little Al characters. Yeah. It it could conceivably set up to there actually still being a butler who's yeah, Alfred, and the, then the and then an arc of them getting like an Alfred who knew him as a child, but mm-hmm. is getting to know Bruce as this adult. Yeah, oh, exactly. all these other right, dynamics right, right, are incorporated right, right, right. would be kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's good to change it as long like as it's Al. good. Yeah, this and guy's name's Al too. Yeah, Right at the end, shoehorned it in. Uh, yeah, because like it's somebody who this is a guy who raised him. He's got the medical training and is supporting right, him. Right. So it's like he's supposed to fill in that role. But I, right. you know, it'd be interesting to have him set up with Anne Alfred in the manner who doesn't know yeah. that he's Batman. The only thing yeah. I notice near the cool. end is that it seems like Catwoman's there but doesn't do a whole whole lot. She helps out with the whole like Gordon file thing. But yeah, I mean, you could have cut her from this. It's just she's. She helps bring in Bruce's initial reason to fight she's crime. She's not in the third act at all. That she's much, not really. Right? Yeah, not really. Just the teaser scenes yeah. at the end. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but I mean, I don't mind it as much because it's not really about her. It's about no, it's Batman not. and Gordon yeah. and Gordon. And you know, there's more yeah. to come. The, the other, the other thing I was thinking when I saw the ninjas and the subtlety and the fighting and stuff, <laughs> I, I yeah. felt I felt like maybe he could actually learn subtlety and sneaking from her. That's true. Too. Do you yeah. need? In this realistic setting, like that mm-hmm. develops their uh, relationship, keeps them more grounded. You don't need to go to the. Um, you don't need a secret the, ninja society. Yeah, you don't yeah. need a secret yeah. ninja society. You don't need Raz Al Ghul in this interpretation. He learns so much from her in that regard, and, and learns how to sneak around as well. Yeah. So I mean, I would have. I mean, I would still even love this if they did a rewrite of this, and it would still kind of work if Bruce was. It was it was a more traditional one where he's like he's back from his training and he just lives in a brown because like in in Zero Year by Scott Snyder, Bruce comes back to Gotham but doesn't want anybody to know he's back. Yeah, and so he yeah. and Alfred are just hanging out in this brownstone in the middle of the city okay. and everything. And Bruce is like trying to experiment with trying to fight crime. So that was it's kind of the same type of beat. So I think you could easily rewrite this with the same traditional elements like that, like Zero Year, and this would still work. You know, he, maybe he's going undercover outside just pretending to be some random poor dude who befriends the prostitutes and Selena Kyle and the same same shit still happens uh, and everything. It would also could have used a more exciting villain than Commissioner Loeb. You know, maybe you could throw in the Red Hood gang there or Penguin instead of Estrada or something. But uh, those are my main, those are the only things where I'm just like, oh, maybe they could have changed that. But it does portray a lot of stuff that you didn't get to see in Begins. So Gordon is so much more of a, like, like, Gordon obviously got more of his due in the Nolan trilogy, but he right. could have gotten even more mm-hmm. if we had this. Like, this this is a completely different type of Gordon. It's even a tougher Gordon than the Gary Oldman one. I mean, mm-hmm. Gary Oldman's kind of the best live-action movie Gordon by default, but I always had a sense of feeling like, you know, if this guy was in the year one comic and he had to fight against Flash, he would have gotten his ass kicked. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, he's yeah. Kind yeah. Of, he wasn't really that badass. Yeah, like, maybe the J.K. Simmons one, but he had, like, two scenes, so, like, you didn't really get to know much of him. But, right. uh, like, this version is more of the... He's only, he's kind of... Like, the closest we got to this was, like, the Ben McKenzie Gordon in, in the Gotham show, where mm-hmm. he's, like, a more fleshed out, mm-hmm. like, guy yeah. who will not stand corruption type of thing. Um and I I like that Harvey Dent is in this. We already talked about that. I like that Bruce makes his own equipment in this. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Instead of the whole like Morgan Freeman just handing it to him yeah. type of thing. That was a, that was a weakness looking and, back. Sorry, go ahead. That was a weakness looking back a little bit. I think. On, yeah. On, on Nolan's part. I mean, well, he wanted to he wanted to be Q and Bond so bad. Yeah. But it's just it's just. Well, it's, I didn't it's, notice it at the time. Yeah. 
I was like, cool, Morgan Freeman's awesome. But like that, looking back, it's like this they is... They get away with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, is, this could have been a little bit better, I think. Mm. Yeah, because it, it's like Lucius Fox has been working there, meets Bruce Wayne for the first time, and he's just like, as far as I'm concerned, you can take it all. And I'm like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, have, you just met this guy. You don't know what he's going to do with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly in the Dark Knight, he's for like, sure. this is wrong. And I'm like, well, now you have <laughs> you, a problem with it. You just gave it to him. <laughs> Like you, you take you took the tumbler endangers all those cops' lives on the freeway, and Lucius is like, "Oh, that's fine." But then, like when <laughs> when you get to the Dark Knight, he's and he's doing the whole cell phone thing. Lucius is just like, "I will not stand for this." And I'm like, "Okay, wait a minute. Like this is not whatever. We'll get to that when we get to the Nolan trilogy." But I, I like also the realistic version of how Gordon treats Batman because he's like, "All right, this guy's kind of a lunatic. He's not my main priority because I'm." dealing at my workplace with all these assholes yeah. all, the, all corrupt the corrupt cops and i'm trying to stay alive and i got a family to raise all that dilemma and stuff we didn't it's, really get in the it's fa- generally written that gpd is fucking like like gordon's like almost the only one that's not corrupt like in yeah in the beginning yeah gotham pd is thoroughly corrupt right? yeah basically yeah. there's there's maybe like one or two other people he can, he can <laughs> which is tolerate. why he's the only motherfucker he'll talk to yeah also like yeah. i'm not talking to any other cops yeah so it, it was cool to see more development of gordon becoming an ally because it felt like in the nolan movie it was just like all right this guy's helping me with Falcone. you're gonna just randomly show up at my house cool <laughs> like Oldman has when we rewatch begins Oldman has no reaction when he sees Batman for the first time he just looks at him and he just like starts talking to him as if they're old friends and I'm like that makes Wait, sense what the fuck <laughs> nothing about this is you weird at all little, you look a little weird um, the only other criticism oh. I have I didn't really go much into it but some of Batman's actual spoken dialogue gets a little wordy gets a little over the top not what I prefer some Frank Miller status it's less Frank Miller and just more like why is he so verbose like at one point huh. he, he intrudes on your criminals and he's like I would like to talk to you I'm like what that, <laughs> it jars with the like hardcore R-rated I'm gonna beat the shit out of you type of um, Batman that we were thinking of uh, so this was definitely going around. I didn't know how hardcore this was going to be back in 1999-2000 when those were first announced. I thought Aronofsky was just going to make a nice little Batman 89 prequel. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, I mean, was it a little playing. bit later than that? Because I remember we were talking about this as SCAD, which yeah. was for us 2002 to 2006. It was at and least... Pe- this, was in the, this was conversations that we had. It was at least 2003. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. mm, yeah. I wasn't... remember... It no, was no, no. being developed earlier than that. Yeah, maybe. it was being developed in 2000. It just wasn't really talked about. Yeah. Like you guys were talking about it around 2003. It so because it was already after it, yeah. yeah, yeah, after they had already yeah. written it. But I, as you could tell, Warner Brothers was like, "We are not prepared for this shit. Like this is way too over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is entirely too good as <laughs> usual. We will not do it. Yeah, yeah, of course. So. Uh, I remember at the time, <laughs> I got excited when I saw somebody, I, I keep trying to track it down, but it was a magazine that did, somebody did these color pencil type sketches of a mock poster, and it had Kurt Russell as Gordon, Tyra Banks, randomly enough, <laughs> as Catwoman. She used to be pretty hot. Yeah, I, I know, I'm just, it was felt random, I was just like, yeah. what has she been in? Like, all I can think of now is her talk show. Uh, <laughs> and Ben Affleck as Batman. Back then? Back then, yeah. Because wow. it was right before he was going to do uh, Daredevil. Yeah. Okay. So they're just like, oh, this is a natural choice. And I'm just like, hmm, Ben Affleck's Batman. Eh, I guess that could work, is what I was thinking <laughs> at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just a general... I usually do some sort of fan cast with this type of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, obviously... I knew, I knew this was coming. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix was Aronofsky's idea for Batman in this. Sometimes I can see it, sometimes I don't. But I'll, I'm like, fine, I'll run with this. Um mm-hmm. Gordon's supposed to be in like his mid forties, and he's like the one of the main characters. You would need somebody who was in a lot of movies at the time. Brad Pitt. Uh, 
Actually, that wouldn't have been that bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. He might have been a little young for it at the time. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Um, but uh, what I was thinking was based off of a, another poster mock-up that Joey actually showed me that showed Wes Bentley as yeah. Bruce Wayne and Viggo Mortensen as Ooh. Gordon. And I'm like, okay, I like Viggo Mortensen yeah. Yeah, as Gordon yeah, at yeah. the time because that was right when the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out and he would have been hot at the time yeah. for yeah. that. Uh, I always liked Wes Bentley for Bruce. He's yeah. An intensity about it. I think yeah, yeah, Bentley yeah. is my alternative choice then if, yeah, if yeah. Phoenix couldn't do it. Because like, that was after totally. American Beauty, so like he could have done it. And he's I've always kind of seen him as like an older, lesser-known Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, totally. He's, he's, the, he's the same. <laughs> I mistake the two. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're the same guy, kind of. Yeah. So uh, I could have seen it. Because like, Jake was too young at the time for this, so that yeah. wouldn't really worked. But uh, I, could, I could see maybe Bentley he at the time. could have been Robin. <laughs> that would have really been like Bruce and Dick in the comics look alike already. Can you imagine if Wes Bentley is yeah, Bruce yeah. Wayne, Jake Gyllenhaal is Robin? <laughs> they accidentally wear each other's costumes. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see. For Little Al, I think this is a kind of a no-brainer, given how he's described as uh, somewhat. He's not really described as obese. He's like somewhat organic, but he's like a big older black man. So I'm just like, obviously, this is Forrest Whitaker's role. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Michael Clark Duncan. I don't know if he would have been old enough at the time. <laughs> He's too ripped. Yeah. He might as well be Batman. <laughs> Bang. Kingpin. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Catwoman is supposed to be African American in this. Um, and it seems like this was right when I finally read the script. It was right around the time that Sin City came out. Mm-hmm. And Rosario Dawson had played a very similar character okay. as what's in the script. Yeah. So I'm just like, she's automatically who I see in this. I would say like Zoe Saldana, but she should probably been Rosario was Latina though, right? Yeah. She's, she's like part black. She's, yeah. Oh, she's uh, half black. I think so. Brazil or something? Like oh, no. okay. Eh, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. And then I just Colombian. did something. I don't know. Colombian. Hmm. Whatever. The case, she's my pick for Catwoman in this where, you know, Catwoman is not supposed to be white in, uh, as stated in the script. So that's where we go with it. Uh, for Harvey Dent, he was a popular choice at the time, uh, just in general before Dark Knight, before Aaron Eckhart was cast. Mm-hmm. But I could totally see him play off this sarcastic delivery is uh, Liev Schreiber. Oh. I could totally oh, see yeah. him in, okay. that, in that role. And he kind of looks like Tim Sale's he'd illustration. Of him. Yeah, as, Later, you know, in a two-faced As a two-faced scenario. thing, yeah. Fuck, he'd be awesome. Because I thought he was yeah. kind of wasted as Sabretooth in, like, X-Men Origins. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, really? Like, he's a great actor, and you're going to do this with him? Yeah. Should have been, a, like, a way more jacked guy, by the way. Yeah. Liv Schreiber's Tyler like, Mayne is great. He looked awesome. Yeah, he, he, was he just had no months. He just <laughs> can't act, probably. Yeah, that's probably. We had a guy who looks like Sabretooth that can't act, and we got a guy who can act but looks nothing like Sabretooth. Like, this is nothing like what i was, <laughs> when i was watching the fucking comics i mean yeah. the cartoon and shit mm-hmm. yeah uh and then lastly for commissioner globe i'm just like all right well let's get an older fat guy to just play the villain of the story so i'm just put i just put in john goodman in this dude that'd be great so wow. yeah so i could see john goodman in this shit yeah, yeah it's like corrupt totally. Loeb being just like you got a code <laughs> uh i should eh, I'll, I'll, I'll do this because this is this is ties in but Aronofsky was obviously not the first person to want to do a Batman origin movie because that was Schumacher, nor was he the last one because that was Nolan. But in between, there was one other guy who tried to pitch a Batman movie that was about Batman's origin that was kind of inspired by year one. Sam Mendes. No. <laughs> Joss Whedon. Oh, uh, shit. Okay. Joss Whedon said, quote, uh, this is all that we know about it. He said uh, he would have shown an orphan Bruce Wayne as a morbid, death-obsessed kid. There was a scene where young Bruce tries to protect this girl from bullying, being bullied in an alley, and an alley like the one where his parents were murdered in. And he's, quote, and he's like this tiny 12-year-old who's about to get the shit kicked out of him, and then it cuts to Wayne Manor, 
when Alfred is running, like something terrible is happening, he's running towards him, and he finds Bruce, and he's back for the fight, and he's completely fine. And Bruce is like, I stopped them. I can stop them. And that was the moment for me when he goes, oh, wait a minute, I can actually do something about this. The moment he gets that purpose instead of just being overwhelmed by the grief of his parents' death. Uh, And he wrote, wrote, uh, quote, he didn't go to Tibet in my version, but it was very similar in vibe to Batman Begins, he means. Uh, In my version, there was actually a new villain. It wasn't one of the classics, which is probably why they didn't use it. It was more of a Hannibal Lecter type. He was somebody already in Arkham Asylum that Bruce went and sort of studied with. Hmm. Now, that's kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, so a similar beat of the villain mentor that we saw with Ra's al Ghul, but it wasn't Ra's al Ghul. It was some Hannibal Lecter type guy in Arkham that I guess Bruce understands the criminal mind with. So okay. I don't know if it was somebody from the if he means it was somebody from the comics who wasn't one of the classics, like a Hugo Strange type who isn't like seen as one of the classics, even though Strange is like one of the oldest ones, but uh, isn't really super well known. Yeah, or if it he doesn't matter in the comics to a certain extent. When they say classic, they mean. The Adam West yeah, show Yeah, exactly, villains, like the most man. well-known yeah. stuff. Yeah. But uh, he said, quote, uh, when he was, was pitching this, he said, quote, and the executive was looking at me like I was Agent Smith made of numbers. He wasn't seeing me at all, and I was driving back to work, and I was like, why did I do that? Why did I get so invested in this Batman story? How much more evidence do I need that the machine doesn't care about my vision? And I go back to work and got a phone call that Firefly was canceled. Oh, <laughs> rough times, and then he put a gun in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my finishes God. off the barrel. So... Wait. Uh, there and around the same time, and we'll do this is a preview for uh, another episode. Uh, with more obsessions of origin, they were trying to develop a television show about Bruce Wayne's journey to becoming Batman. Uh, around the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get to this in another episode. They were also thinking of a Batman versus Superman movie in 2002. So imagine me as a Batman fan as a kid being like, oh my god, we could get a Batman origin movie, we could get an R-rated Batman movie inspired by 1970s movies, we could get a Batman versus Superman movie, we could get a Batman prequel TV show, we could have Joss Whedon doing Batman. Won't all those things be amazing? (laughs) Won't all those things be so good, you guys? Well, I was thinking, I was thinking, there's no way, there was no way, they only have to pick one, there's no way I'm going to see all of them. And we did see now all we've of seen them. all of them. It's just not the way that they were originally done. Not what we had. At least in we mind. all still look young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, we will cover man. those in future episodes. But that is it for Darren Aronofsky and Frank Miller's Batman Year One. And uh, sorry, Tom Eggers, but this is now my favorite Batman script that was Pretty ever made. Good. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with the fan theory that Seven is like based in Gotham City prior to? I love that theory, that but I've never heard that I before. Think it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've it's heard it. It's pretty cool. Kind of like, it is very, it shares some yeah. of the themes Somerset and like is, some of the yeah. heightened character elements, like with the seven sins and everything. Yeah. And this guy having like this kind of like very distinct motive and personality within his crimes and that kind of thing. It's cool. Yeah. Detective yeah. Somerset is like Lucius Fox's twin brother or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something, you know, it's like. I've always been like, you know, I have like a knee-jerk reaction to stuff that's like overly dark, and mm-hmm. sometimes I'm not a huge Fincher fan, mm-hmm. but I do think Fincher probably would make a great Batman movie. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Yeah. He's like the best He could have done this job one, too, movie. yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I watch Mindhunter, it's like Jeez, we're yeah. interviewing the rogues gallery, yeah. and these are obviously real pe- people yeah. that they're, you know, based on, but it, it has a kind of a Batman villain vibe, really, you know? Yep. Because Batman villains are based on fucking, yeah. you know, serial killers these days, basically. Right, so. yeah. And in real life, all we're missing are the Batman. So That's true. Get Elon started, Musk, kids. Get on it. Go to your Krav Maga. <laughs> yeah. 
find something to really scar you. And also get a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, money. And uh, oh. study Phoenix Jones in Seattle. Remember that guy? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guy that actually did it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. He's, he's reading the script. To, yeah, Phoenix <laughs> Jones reads the script and about how Bruce gets beaten up. And he's like, that ain't shit. <laughs> actually, I was going to lead us out. But real quick, Wolfie, what did you think of this script? Oh, I really dug it. I would I wish that somehow we could see some of these unmade scripts be made somehow, you mm-hmm. know, like in an animated version or like yeah. Elseworlds kind of scenario. But DC Black. Really, really awesome. I'm, I start, I read like a good 20 pages of it uh, prior to this recording, and I didn't get to catch up to it. But um, Now you want to read the rest shit. of it. Yeah, no, I want to <laughs> read the, get the little details and stuff. It was, it was great. I love the Lincoln continental battle bill <laughs> and continental. i love how street level it all is it's awesome dude this would be a fucking amazing script uh would be amazing movie i'm surprised just how good it was it's really fun yeah you have a batman arc uh, internal it's all about him batman it's and not Gordon. it's yeah. it's yeah it's less about the villain uh really done well i think in that way you could really yeah. stack it up next to the Joker that just came out as well. You, you could know, say as being in that same universe. <laughs> what? One could say. I know what you're about to say. Go <laughs> yeah. ahead. Go ahead. One could say little Al took Bruce in because of all the riots from the Joker. Oh. And Joker's already in the mental asylum at the end of the first movie. So that fits in with a cameo that's in the script. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just that's saying, y'all, it's cool. already made. That's cool. It's kind yeah, of already this made. This is Joker 2, and what I pitched in the last cool. podcast is Joker 3, and then we just complete the <laughs> yeah, trilogy. Right. <laughs> All right, everybody, this has been a fucking another amazing deep dive. Thank you, Ben. Woo! No problem. And uh, that's pretty much it. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. We're Superhouse Pod, which Ben curates. Sorry, I took that line from you, Ben. Um, please join the Shasta Army on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Superhouse Podcast. And uh, I'm Ben Juan Ryder on Instagram. I'm Wolfie Cruz on Instagram as well as on Facebook. Cruz with two Zs. <laughs> uh, Don't forget the Zs. You can find some of my musings there, some of my photography. I'm going to get a Twitter handle here. I think I have one actually, but I'll be on Twitter soon so I can engage. You see all my... Twitter sphere. Un, what do you call it? Unfiltered bullshit on uh, Twitter, yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Not to take. Remove the filter. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah, join the fold. All right. Anyway, that's it. This is Andrew signing off. It's Ben signing off. Roger that.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 